Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jared. We have with us South Jersey Jason, Brian, and a happy Friday the 13th to you, sir. Happy Friday the 13th, and thank you for waking me up. Oh, you got it. (laughs) I figured something was up because you had that day out there today. I'm sure your ass was tired. I was in a food coma because I got brought some wonderful food home from the Blairstown Diner. I ate that and... (laughs) (laughs) brian had thanksgiving too today yes definitely yeah um it was a it was a good day the weather held out because they were calling for rain but thankfully it rained for just a little bit and the sun was out it was pretty warm but like one about three o'clock the sun went back in the wind came out and the wind or the wind came out and was it cold Ah, okay (laughs) yeah but uh it was a good day you know Usually in January or anytime between January and April, it was Friday 13th. It could be quiet in town, but the diner was pretty pumping, nice. you know, which, which nice. I was very happy for. I uh, did a, made a lot of new friends. Uh, I networked our podcast. And uh, so we were going to have two uh, guests coming on because of that, which is good. We got guests. So, yeah, we got guests. One of them. Uh, her name is uh, Ashley, I believe, and she's from North Jersey. She, one, is a streamer on Twitch. She's got a nice little following. And in addition to that, she is a, I think she said she's she's a former paranormal investigator, but she's also a practicing witch. So I thought that would be really cool. That's two birds with one stone of stuff we want to cover. Yeah. And the other one I didn't talk to you about, but there is a, there's two gentlemen that are putting on a fundraiser for Deborah Heart and Lung Center. And they're putting together, I don't want to call it a convention. Um, it's going to be at like an American Legion Hall. There's, It's going to be catered to the horror genre. So they're going to have uh, horror-based uh, vendors. And it's going, they're going to have bands there. And one of the bands is in alice cooper tribute band so how cool would that be being costume on stage playing they're playing uh the man behind the mask that's pretty awesome yeah so uh that's taking place on february 4th so we're i talked to him and we're going to have him and his partner come on and talk about what their plan is for this this event cool very cool yeah and uh in addition, a third person that we're going to have on, um, he actually has a book that came out this week. I bought two copies, one through Amazon and one through him because he's going to have it signed by not only him, but Bill Randolph from Friday 13th Part 2. And if I take my green screen off real quick, uh, he wrote a book about the making of Friday the 13th Part 2. So let me just uh, bear with me, and there we go. Don't mind the background. But it's by um, R.G. Henning. That's a pretty cool cover right there. That is a cool cover. Yeah, and it's uh, Sackhead Definitive Retrospective on Friday 13th Part 2. So it's all, if you're a Friday 13th Part 2 fan, you can find it on Amazon or any online book distributor. And I skimmed through it so far, and it looks really, really, really good. So I'm going to start reading it over the weekend. And we're going to have him on the show, hopefully, in the next episode. Very cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm heading to uh, Myrtle Beach this week, but there's a chance I'm back by Wednesday, so we'll play it by ear. Cool. Very nice. So, uh, yeah, today is Friday the 13th. How come Freddy Krueger doesn't have a holiday? He does. It's, uh, I forget the day. It's like September 13th or something like that. It's the okay. day that Freddie died. They had a uh. funeral in Hollywood on that day. Hmm. <laughs> when they buried Freddie. Interesting. Interesting. I did, not, I did not know that, but it's cool that you brought that up. And there was a Freddie cosplayer in town today. I saw. I saw yeah. the pics. Yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. He made a little baby cry, which I was like, damn you, Freddie, because I, when the baby came in, he was like two years old. You know, he was scared to death. I took off my hawk and showed him I'm just a guy in a costume. Got him all calmed down. I took a picture with him without my makeup on or whatever you want to say. Half an hour later, Freddie comes in. The kid's crying. I'm like, damn you, Freddie. <laughs> Freddie's doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> so anything uh, new with you? Uh, we got uh, a little bit of haunt news. This Ooh, is kind of on? exciting. HHN. Halloween Horror Nights from our Universal Studios is opening a year-round haunt in Vegas. I saw that. Have you bought your tickets yet? <laughs> no, no. That's, they're a few years away. But yeah. it'd be a good time to stop at Nightmare Toys and eat at their new diner they got there. Well, Nightmare Toys has a diner? Yeah, right next door. Oh. Is it owned by Nightmare yep. Toys? Or? She's, she's, yep. They, they've been working on that. COVID killed them with that. It took okay. so much longer. But they finally got it up. They finally got the appliances. And now she's doing like horror trivia Friday night. It's kind of like uh, Quizzo, oh, cool. but horror okay. movies. Yeah. Yeah. I know you had her on your podcast for that, mm-hmm. but we should get Chrissy on, you know, in the upcoming months. Oh, we can and get her. That's cool. Um, you know, I totally wanted to tell you something. And I totally lost my train of thought on that. So maybe it'll come back to me when we're talking. Damn it. Uh, but I was thinking about food and horror. I'm like, that's like really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and, uh, oh, you know, what's coming out next week. And I didn't realize it's coming out next week is cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. Yeah. (laughs) And the last of us too comes out in our, the last of us comes out two days, two days. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. So that's cool. The January 15th. So for some reason I kept thinking it was last Sunday. I'm like, where the hell is it? I can't find it on HBO, but, uh, Hopefully, um, HBO with a new merger won't fuck this up, you know? Yeah. the uh, I'm hooked on Yellowstone. I don't even know why I like it, but I like it. It's probably Rip Wheeler. You want to be Rip Wheeler. Oh, I, 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 I already act like I'm Rip Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> so you just started the series, right? Yeah, we just finished season one. Uh, yeah. Um, the I thing is, watching. I love Kevin Costner. I've always yeah. loved Kevin Costner, and he's playing kevin costner so it just works for me like i'll watch yeah. anything with that man yeah i uh i started watching 1923 which is the second spinoff and the second episode was it the second episode or third episode in probably the first time i've ever yelled at the tv because i was just so freaking shocked you know? <laughs> and uh i finished tulsa king did you finish that nope 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 <sighs> So maybe good. tonight, maybe tomorrow okay. night. We'll see. But I'm definitely gonna. I, I I'm sure it's amazing. I love him in that role. It's like yeah. it's like his comeback. Oh, for sure. It's like the resurgence of Sly Stallone. So you know? awesome. 
Yeah, I can't wait. The way they set it up for season two, I can't oh, wait. You're killing me. I, I, I was just so hyped on getting home and watching Yellowstone, and I forgot Sunday, hey, there's the season finale of Tulsa King. Right, right. <sighs> and you know, it's, uh, I know this is not horror, but you know one show that I never watched until two weeks ago? Uh, Seinfeld. I'm oh, already, really? Uh, I'm already six seasons in. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It is. Some of it gets a little awkward, but I mean, it's really funny. Yeah, and you know, like uh, some of the episodes are like that. You know, because we're in that day and age where you got to watch what you're saying. Yeah, and some of those episodes will be right in that category. Yep. You know, and yeah. when you're done, you should check out Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Okay. Same oh, now. I, same. It's by Larry David. Yeah. 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 And now I just remember what I had to say. Go for it. So right before we went on a podcast, the horror show side market has a show coming up, uh, uh, I think February 25th. They just announced, and if you're a Friday 13th Part 8 fan, the the gang members from New York when he kicks the boombox. Oh, yeah. They're going to be there. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and then everyone gives Charlie Hunnam shit, but the gang members from Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, well, this man. is Horror Sideshow, not Monster Mania. I know. Which, let's talk about that real quick. So, All right. So people, you know, Monster Mania is a very popular horror con in the East Coast. Yep. And I felt like they started mixing other genres into their their horror shows which it takes away from monster mania yes now you have steel city con which has everything right and then you have chiller has everything yeah now do you and before covid monster mania was they were supposed to do a pop culture con yeah do you think they should still move forward with that and horror horror and then anything other than horror. I think time. they should for them. Because mm-hmm. it'll really help out crowds. Mm-hmm. Like this Monster Mania. A, all the final girls from Friday. So that's going to bring a hell of an abundance. Yeah. And Charlie Hunnam. I mean, he's brand new to con. This, I already, I didn't even buy my ticket because I even told Terry. I'm like, listen, there's a good chance we're not parking there. I may have to drop you off. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got her the general ticket today, and I got her the photo op last night, and the VIP sold out. It's gone. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, a lot of my friends are like sharing Monster Mandy. I'm like, dude, if you want to go, you better buy your tickets now because yep. they're going to Saturday is going to sell out within a month. I'll say a week. Yep. You know. And Saturday. then I'll wait for the. Oh, I can't make it. I'm selling these for whatever. That's what I'll yeah. do. Yeah, just be careful with that though. You know, because yeah. people are always. Trying to scam get... around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but so. I mean, I think Charlie Hunt coming is a big deal, and he has done a horror. So I mean, he's not completely. Well, he's only done one horror, though. Right? Yeah, but That's everyone one... there has done one horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I'm waiting for them to announce, which they very well could. Um, Kim Coates, who played Chibs. Oh, he'll Chibs? probably go. Yeah. Did he play Chibs? No, he wasn't Chibs. What was his? Character? No, he was Chibs. Was he chips? Yep. Um, and then the Scottish guy. Oh, the, I love that dude. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really good. I just watched him in a, um, a western with uh, Bill Pullman called uh, "The Ballad of Lefty Brown." Okay. And he played like a, a, an old friend of Bill Pullman's, and who was like a 
you know, they used to be a, he was a former like robber and then became like a sheriff, but he's got a drinking problem. And was he good in that, man? He didn't have a big role in it, but anything he's in, I'll watch. Yeah, I love, I, I love him. I, I, I forgot what movie, maybe it was a Jackie Chan movie. Did he play a bad guy in Rush Hour? He very well could have. I forget because yeah. I remember him in something where he wasn't Chibs, but he was still Chibs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kim Coates, uh, when he was in the Canadian Mob Show, he was good in that. I didn't know he was in a Canadian Mob uh, Show. I'll find the name of it. Bloodlines or something like that. Well, it's funny because whenever I see Kim Coates, uh, he's forever his character in Sons of Energy. Oh, yeah. So I'll see him in something else. And like he was, I remember he was in a Resident Evil movie. And. <sighs> He played like a weasel in that movie, but he's he had such great chemistry with Walt Goggins when Walt Goggins was Venus LaFleur. Yeah. The transvestite. Their their chemistry together was great. Yeah, it was it was entertaining. Yeah. But uh all right. So we are here to continue our talk on your favorite franchise. Oh yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. And we're gonna go in order, not necessarily for the future, but um probably do two, two at a time see yeah. what happens and i have to say um i think freddie was the scariest in this one and there was a point to that they called him the male witch in this one they wanted to make him look more intimidating and he was they did a good job but uh let's play the trailer for him and then we'll get started they told her it was just a bad dream she knew it was real. It became a nightmare on Elm Street. Now there's a new kid on Elm Street. And Freddy's been waiting. I'm afraid to go to sleep. We'll stay up all night if we have to. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Freddy's back. <laughs> and this time he's not fooling around. You are all my children now. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. It's coming soon. All right. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. He is back for revenge. So where does this fall in your rankings? You know, I haven't done that list. It's not as far down as definitely not my favorite, okay. but, I, but I still enjoy watching it. Yeah. Because it's kind of like that anthology feel because mm -hmm. it was completely different cast and didn't follow yeah. the story. And if three wasn't so good, I would wish that they kept with the anthology and him yeah. just attacking more kids. Yeah. I think that would have been a cool plot line. Okay. But yeah, I, I have a, it changes all the time. Because it would have to be one, two, three, four. probably second from the bottom. Second from the bottom, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. See, I'm a I'm a huge closet fan of Freddy's Dead, right? Because that's just okay. cartoon Freddy. See, that's in my actually, it's that would be my top five part two. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know what it why I like it so much and. I've always, and this is even before I really picked up on the gay undertones. Um, I don't know what I just, it was just scary. It was and fucking think, scarier. It really was. What I, I think my favorite scenes actually 
was when he came into the real world at the at the party scene. Oh, the pool party? Yeah. The pool party, yeah. He's like, the, the one scene that, like, he's like, you are all my children now. You know, that was just an awesome scene right there. Yeah, the I just threw it up for the YouTube. They got to see that. <laughs> 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 I, I found some scenes that we might touch on. So. Plus the, um, the final girl. I forget her name, but she's a redhead. I have a thing for redheads, too. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey. I know her real name's Kid Myers. Her name Myers, in the movie yeah. is kind of kind of falling away. That's weird. We'll get into that. Though. And Kid Myers has aged like a fine wine. So <laughs> yeah, he was. It was. Uh, I, she kind of looks better now. She does. Um, she was at a monster or uh, NJ Harcon within the past year. And she looks she looks really good. Like she doesn't she's aged really well. Her and Amanda Weiss. Like they both yeah. look better now. Maybe because I'm older. But I mean Yeah, I always felt like Amanda Weiss is, is prettier now. Yeah. Like that's how I felt like with Michelle Pfeiffer. The older she got, the prettier she looked to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So um yeah, this is definitely if you know you you had your heroine Nancy. And it went from Nancy to Jesse. Yep. And, and sort of Jesse's girl. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Pow! Pink zing zang. You know, a lot of people weren't like, Jesse wasn't like your typical final guy. Uh, and that's no to, to no fault to Mark Patton. But no. he reminded me, you know, growing up, he reminded me of Mark Singer. If you remember Mark Singer from V or the Beastmaster. Yes. Yeah, that's who he always reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. Let's cut into this bad boy. Okay. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Stylized on screen as A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, is a 1985 American supernatural slasher film. Directed by Jack Shoulder and written by David Chaikin, it stars Mark Patton, Kim Myers, Robert England. And Robert Russler. It is the second installment in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. The film follows Jesse Walsh, a teenager who begins having recurring nightmares about Freddy Krueger after moving into the former home of Nancy Thompson for the first film. So they kind of use the house as the beacon. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, cool idea. House, and the house played a character of its own, sort of, you know, and uh, the actually, you know, um, it was to me. I mean, to me, it was. Think of it as like the Amityville house in a way. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Damn. Freddy's Revenge was released on November first, nineteen eighty-five, and grossed thirty million at the domestic box office on a budget of three million. Mm. It received mixed reviews from critics upon release, with many comparing it unfavorably to its predecessor. However, it has enjoyed later success as a cult classics, with critics having reassessed the film's homoerotic themes and the subject material. It was distributed by New Line Cinema. The film was followed by A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Okay, so this came out in... So, and Dream Warriors didn't come out until two years later. They really rushed to get this film out. They did. They didn't want to... Yeah. I mean, I think Bob Shea had a lot of shit on the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I know he mortgaged a bunch of shit to get the first one made. Yeah. So I think he was trying to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good that they waited two years to get the film for part three. It's, you know, 
part three is like probably people think it's like the best one out of the entire it, franchise. It's, it's, it's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize how quick of a turnaround between the first and the second one. It's almost like Friday the 13th. Yeah. Is it even a full year? It's not even a full year. No, because I think um, it was original... summer of 84. No, no. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one came out like November of 84. Oh, so it was a full year. Well, okay. I think it was a. Oh, but yeah. I have like two weeks. So, I gotcha. Yeah. So um, do you think they, 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 if they waited just a couple, like another year, we could have gotten a different movie? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I know they had to pay Freddie more money because he yeah. was actually dropped out of this film. And then really? they did tests and were like, uh, we fucked up. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, it might be no. in here. I'll have to check okay. that out. Yeah, that was in a Never Sleep Again. Okay. Plot. Five years after Freddy's apparent defeat, the Walshes have moved into Nancy Thompson's former home. Their teenage son, Jesse, has a nightmare about being stalked by Kruger driving a school bus. Awesome scene. Yeah, that... Uh, I mean, they made him like Jesse look like a dweeb, you know, with the oh, yeah. hair and the girls were making fun of him. And I think what really started getting my blood pumping was when he was trying to get the windows down. And oh, yeah. The and yeah. then they don't show Fre- you see the outline of Freddie, but it's the glove coming between the seats. And then he flings really? it. Yeah, he's pulling the glove up through the seats. Like as he's going from seat to seat, you watch the glove go up and down. Oh shit! I think I did not. The only time I picked out the glove was when he was gear shifting. No, 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 no. When um when they're on that big rock in the desert and he's walking towards them, he's doing it really slow, and you just see the blades of the glove go in and out between the seats as he's getting closer. Oh shit! And then the glove lifts. He scratches the shit out of the ceiling, and then Jesse wakes up. I've never noticed that. Yeah, um, before he wakes up, when you see the the school bus like on three pillars, yeah, and like the one like um, crumbles, you know, that was that was good and so practical effects. Like you know, I, I just loved it, you know, the models and everything. But yeah, that always, that opening scene always freaked me out because I think as a, as a kid's worst nightmare, getting left on a bus, and it, it plays to yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you said, uh, Robert England did play the the bus driver right and you know the the guy who played his dad he just passed away last year yes dude man he lived a good life because he looked old in the second one (laughs) (laughs) he was gay too was he really yes i did not know that okay all right isn't the director gay as well yes okay and it's a shame you know if i'm sure we'll touch base on the scream queen documentary it's in here a little bit yeah okay like you you really felt bad for Mark. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And the when they when they had their confrontation, I guess you can call it. You know, like that director was a jackass. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. So after he wakes up from the bus and attributes the dream to the unusual heat in his room, Jesse goes to school with his friend Lisa, whom he is interested in romantically, but is too shy to flirt with her. We'll see. Hey, let's let's talk about let's talk about when they get into his car, the deadly dinosaur. The deadly dinosaur. <laughs> Who's gonna steal this? The deadly dinosaur. <laughs> it was a push button convertible. Remember? <laughs> Holy shit! Remember when he said someone should buy the car from the first one and make it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. what a week later. There's one for sale 
right on 40 on my way to 55. Oh, shit. Get out of here. It's, uh, it's a brown roof, and it's a okay. tan car. There you go. I was like, there wow. But in this car market, I'm sure he wants like $75,000 for it. Yeah, yeah. But, dude, get take a loan from the bank, redo it, mm. start going to cons, you know? Rent that shit out. 100 <laughs> bucks to sit in it. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. They're at the, like, the, the Michael Myers mobile. They're charging 40 bucks if you wanted to sit in it. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll look into that. Yeah. All right. So after getting the into a fight with a boy named Grady during gym class, Coach Snyder has them stay after class and they become friends doing push-ups in the shortest shorts you've ever seen. Lisa- oh, let's talk about their baseball scene when they're playing baseball. Was it, and they get in a fight and then you see a jock strap. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And fun fact, you may you may or may not know this, but Grady, uh, Robert Russell, I think his name is, he was in Weird Science. He yes. Played, yes. He was Mad Max, I believe, or yep. maybe vice versa with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Yeah. I like Grady in this. I thought he was funny. Yeah, I wanted more Grady in it. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think he, I, I wonder if there are like deleted scenes more of him. Like they, they, they had good chemistry and I just felt like, Grady needed more screen time. Yeah, he was maybe because they made Jesse weaker that we like Grady more. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Lisa comes to visit Jesse after school and walks in on him doing this very inappropriate dance. I have the picture of the fucking sunglasses up right now. Oh man, I I mean that's how I clean my room in the eighties. Let me tell you. Yeah, me too. I boot boot scoot the uh, dresser drawer. Did you do the little pop at the end? You know, it's funny. I actually had one. I I was trying to find it, uh, and you know, but I don't know if it's in one of my boxes. But yes, that's how all guys in the eighties clean their bedroom. It was not for me, but okay. Ah, uh, come on! You gotta have those sunglasses somewhere, though. Yeah, I should get them. <laughs> the look out of the friggin' drawer. And this is where this is the scene where uh, Lisa finds the diary, right? Correct. Lisa comes finds- to visit Jesse, and they discover Nancy Thompson's diary detailing her nightmares, which are strikingly similar to similar to similar to Jesse's. Small fires happen around the house, which culminates in the spontaneous combustion of the pet birds. Oh, poor birds. That was supposed to be a completely different scene. Okay. That bird was supposed to be like a Freddy-controlled bird with a crazy face and attacked the family. Hmm. They tried it, and they're like, this ain't fucking working. So they scrapped it. So they scrapped it to the a carnivorous bird when you take this sheet off. And yeah. You see Polly's head just flopping on the ground. Yeah. And then um, the other birds attacking the family cuts the dad like on his cheek, and then he spontaneously combusts. Yeah, and then my favorite part is Jesse's father accuses him of sabotage. Yes, because <laughs> it, every father blames the kid for touching the thermostat. It reminds it reminds me of uh, Daddy's Home too. Yes, <laughs> and that's still popping up on my like Instagram stories. It's so funny. Yeah. Did you touch the thermostat? I'm like, calm down, <laughs> Mel Gibson. Um, yeah, you know, and it's um I always wondered why the dad was blaming Jesse, like for that. Like because he's a teenager and that's what they all did. Are you on drugs? Yeah. <laughs> so But I well, mean that's that's the whole storyline between Friday, Halloween, Nightmare. 
No one believes the fucking kids. That's yeah. what makes it scarier. Yeah. Because there's and nowhere real, to go with it. And before we go further, let's talk about the gym coach. That was like, he was the stereotypical mean gym coach that you didn't want to have in high school. You know? See, I always had, I had, yeah, I had one that was like him. But he was a lot fatter, but would okay. make fun of us because we couldn't run. You know, it's funny. I had the same kind of coach, too. Like, I, I was... Going down the baseball practice, he goes, oh, you play baseball? Yeah, I'm not 700 fucking pounds. I play baseball. I'm going to go to practice now. Like, who the fuck are you? Right. And right. I was like, what, 14? Did your gym coach also frequent um, BDSM clubs? <laughs> and he probably did. <laughs> yeah, he, he more than likely did. Fucking asshole. I don't even remember his name. I, I still see his face, though. Fucking... Anyway, back to back to that was a cool scene too that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. All right, so the following night, Jesse has a nightmare where he encounters Freddy. A little picture of that, who tells him to kill for me. The dreams grow more intense, and Jesse unsuccessfully attempts different measures to keep himself awake. He eventually begins wandering the streets at night. One night, he is caught by Schneider ordering a drink in a gay bar and is made to run laps at school as a punishment. Also, another note, you know who else was in that gay bar? Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess, but Bob Shea, right? Bob Shea. Was he the bartender? Yes, he wore the uh, The, black. black, Yeah, yeah. like the vest or something. Yep. Yeah, so. And I think he had chaps on. What would your reaction be if, like, you ended up in a a gay bar and there goes, like, one of your teachers in there? (laughs) I'm laughing and taking pictures. And then I'd be questioning why are you in a gay bar? Exactly. But you know what's funny, though? When I think of a gay bar, like in an 80s movie, I always think of Police Academy. Yes. The Blue, the blue Oyster. The Blue Oyster. <laughs> oh, that was such a funny scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> After sending Jesse to the shower, Schneider is attacked by un- unseen force that drags him into the showers. Jesse then vanishes into the s- steam, and Freddy emerges, killing Schneider by slashing his back. So let's okay, and this is this is where the, this movie always confused me, me. too, brother, and that's why okay. it will never be one of my favorites because I think they fucked up something, and this was way their way to fix it. Because you think Jesse fell asleep, and that's how the like i think so because how would he end up in a gay bar how would he end up the the teacher's not going to take him to the gym the teacher's going to fucking leave right you know what i mean like so it's just too weird not to be a dream yeah and then freddie's wearing the glove i mean uh, jesse's wearing the glove after he sees snyder's dead yeah so let's talk about snyder getting um (laughs) fucking the snap towel of the century yeah to the point where his ass is bleeding from it My God. Uh, Afterwards, Jesse is horrified to see the glove on his hand. He is escorted home by police after being found wandering the streets naked. And his parents began to suspect that Jesse may be on drugs or mentally disturbed. Lisa takes Jesse to an abandoned factory where Freddy Krueger worked, but they found nothing there. And that was a cool, like, seeing them going to, like, the, the boiler factory or whatever. That was really cool. It was cool. And that rat scene scared the shit out of you. Yeah. 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 So, and, but let's talk about, okay. I think this, 
is really the first time you hear Jesse scream at when he has a he's wearing a glove. Yeah. Like he's got the scream queen scream going on. He does. On. He does. He's, and he's right up there with uh he takes the first place. Second place would be um Shavar Ross from um Friday thirteenth part five to play Reggie the Reckless. Yes. When he sees Impossible yes. <laughs> that shit was funny. Have you ever seen some if you can find it on YouTube, but um it's right when Pam and Reggie discovered the dead paramedic and um Reggie sees Impostor Jason and he screams, someone then put in like uh sound effects of um Mario like run like when Mario runs real fast and when Reggie runs away. <laughs> Did you see that someone put it's a 1980s blister pack and it's his brother and there's two little enchiladas in the package and it's yes, those damn enchiladas. Yes, yes, I fucking I die when I saw yes. that. <laughs> yes. And then uh, someone did something similar and I think it was like for uh, I forget what it was like a vampire that died and it was like just like dust or something in there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they cracked me up with that, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, the following night, Jesse goes to Lisa's pool party and kisses her in the cabana, but his body begins to change, and he leaves in a panic. He goes to Grady's house, confesses yeah, his, to he, killing he Schneider. Really gives, really gives her a French kiss. He does, with <laughs> Freddy's crazy-ass tongue. Mm-hmm. And instructs Grady to watch him as he sleeps and to stop him if he tries to leave. When Grady eventually falls asleep, Freddy emerges from Jesse's body and kills Grady. And one of the coolest scenes, you see Freddy come out of Jesse. Like yeah. that was that was really that was just really cool. I, I really like that. So do you think like so okay, so Grady's asleep when that happens, so it's not happening in the real world. But again, it does though, because I think that I don't think Jesse was asleep. Because Jesse was awake at the pool house. Yeah. Jesse was awake at Grady's when it started happening. Oh my God, it's happening again. And then. <laughs> I always, I mean, I'm, how, does he, how is he alive then when Freddie, like, so let's. Jesse was his Lisa. portal to the real world because then he ends up at the pool party. Right. And this whole scene is why Wes Craven did not direct the second movie. Which, which scene? The, the whole uh, him coming to the real world. Okay. Or staying yeah. there for a amount of time, right? Right. Wasn't it at just at uh, Grady's bedroom um, when, like, he's screaming and you see like an eyeball on his throat or something? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It looks left and one looks right. Yeah. And yeah. Grady's kill was awesome because the glove comes through the door in front of the yeah. parents, and that fucking yeah. horrified me for life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I I'm just like wondering how does Jesse live when Freddy's like tearing through his body? Exactly. I, I, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, but yeah, I think the whole scene back at Lisa's pool party was just awesome. It was. It was probably one of the better scenes in the Nightmare films. Yeah. Uh, returning to Lisa's house, Jesse tells her what is going on. Lisa realizes that Jesse's terror is giving Freddy his strength, but he cannot stop fearing him and transforming again. Freddy locks Lisa's parents in their bedroom and attacks her realizes he cannot harm her due to Jesse's influence. 
Freddy goes outside where he begins to slaughter the partygoers. Lisa's father emerges with a shotgun, but Lisa stops him from shooting Freddy, who escapes in a ball of flame. Still a cool scene. Like, the sodas are popping, everything's getting hot, the mm-hmm. pool's getting too hot, kids are getting sliced. I mean, it was... And then your infamous flame, you were all my children now mm-hmm. scene. So, uh, and then the dad comes out the shotgun's trying to kill him. Yeah. And then, like, I think Freddy slash Jesse looks at Lisa, like, one last time because she, like, stops the dad from shooting him. And he, like, makes eye contact with her, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he walks through the bushes into, like, a flame. Yeah, that was... was well, cool it's safe to, safe to say she's not allowed to have any more parties. Uh, no, I think that's done. Yeah. Lisa drives to the factory, facing sudden nightmares and having to control her fear before confronting Freddy. She pleads with Jesse to fight Freddy, but Freddy's hold is too strong. When Lisa confesses her love for Jesse and kisses Freddy, Jesse begins to fight back. Freddy combusts and turns to ash from which Jesse emerges. And can we talk about the Ghostbusters like the dogs? Yes. I was, I was, I was hoping you were going to bring that up. <laughs> I, where the fuck did that come from? Maybe these, those are his version of Hellhounds? Maybe. I mean, they're in the toy with Nightmare 2. They are. And I don't have that figure. I only have the first figure. So Yeah, they're, they're I, I, kind of big in there, too. Yeah, there's two of them, right? In yeah. that collection? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know where they came from because, again... It's their real world, so why are uh, right? Like, like it was there was. Uh, I understand why Wes skipped it, but Freddy was scary in this, so I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Later, as Jesse, Lisa, and Lisa's friend Carrie are taking the bus to school, Jesse <clears throat> begins to notice similarities to his original nightmares and panics. Mm-hmm. After Lisa calms Jesse down, Carrie says that it's all over. Just, it's all over. Just before Freddy's clawed arm bursts through her chest. Freddy laughs as the bus drives into the field, just as in Jesse's first nightmare. Yeah. Cool ending. So, like, a, like, a, like, a, like an, an open ending, like, part one. Yeah. Yeah. But better, because it kind of laid the land for we could keep this in anthology, we could continue with these kids if we want. Mm-hmm. They left it open. Then they decided to go a whole different way. <laughs> yeah. All right. The cast. <laughs> Mark Patton as Jesse Walsh. And Mark was a... He was a good actor. He went to Juilliard, I believe, or he went... It's not Juilliard, the actor studio, I think, but Val Kilmer was his classmate, I believe. And he was going to be, like, the next big thing, pretty much, but this movie kind of, unfortunately forbid that to happen because how he was cast yeah yeah i think if he did it like 30 years later he would have been fine yeah because he would have been like what 2010 and it's you know normal now yeah but uh mark Patton is jesse walsh he was in disney shows too wasn't he i don't know i never really looked at his uh i know he was in some weird sitcom where he was singing yeah, I think that was before. Oh, it's definitely Street. before, way before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kim Myers, like, I don't know her from anything else. Me neither. I'd have to look yeah. that up. Lisa, um, Kim Myers is Lisa Weber. Robert Rustler is Ron Grady. He's been a, he's been a few different things. Yeah. Clue Gulliger as Kevin Walsh. 
And oh. I think he was more of a, I know he was big, popular before uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but I think he was always like a character actor. Yeah. Yeah. Hope Lang is Cheryl Walsh. Marshall Bell, who was pretty much in everything in the 80s. I want to say, now I could be mistaken, but I think he was a bad guy in Twins. Like, he was like the assassin. I think so. He has that face, and like, I could be confusing him with someone else. And he was in Starship Troopers, too, wasn't he? Was he? Was he like uh, like an old hardened army person or something? Yeah. Yeah, he's been in a lot. I liked him in this, too. He yeah. was uh, Coach Snyder, Melinda O'Fee as Miss Weber, Tom McFadden as Mr. Weber. Those are Kim's parents. Okay. Sydney Walsh as Carrie Hellman, who I believe was in uh, 21 Jump Street. Who's, who, was, who was her character? She was the friend at the end. It was oh, Kim's okay. friend. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Robert England. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you know who the one character like I couldn't stand was Jesse's sister. She look at my nail, yeah, yeah look at my nail. <laughs> oh God, development pre-production for Nightmare on Elm Street Two began in April of nineteen eighty-five. Wow, that's that, quick. That... <laughs> like, did you even get checks back from the box office when the first right. one came out? I mean, literally, that's. Seven months yeah. from start to finish. Damn. Screenwriter Leslie Bowen pitched the producers with his idea of using pregnancy and possession as a plot device for the second film. My concept was a homage to Rosemary's Baby. I came up with a plot that had a new family move into the house, a teenage boy, his pregnant mother, and a stepfather the boy didn't get along with. It was a real bloody scary idea, much more physical and realistic because the dream reality stuff was less central to the movies then. My story was more of a possession scenario with Freddy getting inside the mother's womb, controlling the fetus. But New Line passed on it because executive Sarah Reiser was pregnant at the time, and I understand the idea upset her, so they went with David Chankin's concept instead. And oddly enough, ended up being Freddy Five. Which is your favorite? Your... Nah, that's my least. Well, if you count the remake, it's above the remake, but I don't count the remake, so it's at the bottom. You gotta count the remake because it's in, it's in the Freddy universe. I'm sorry. No, it's it's a remake. It's out of the universe. <laughs> it's not part of the FCU. <laughs> <laughs> Though both films ended up using the spirit possession concept, the pregnancy idea would eventually be used in the sequel of Nightmare on Elm Street 5 which Bohem did write the script for. Robert Shea offered Wes Craven the chance to direct again, but he turned down the offer since he had many problems with the script, such as the possessed parakeet. That seemed very ridiculous to him. And the Freddy merging with the main characters and manifesting in real life at the pool party to kill scores of teenagers of which are many or bigger than him, which Craven thought would diminish Freddy's scare factor as Robert England is not very tall in stature. Jack Shoulder, who had previously written and directed Alone in the Dark for New Line, was offered to direct. In a 2020 interview, he explained that he had no interest in making horror films, and that his initial feeling was to turn Robert Shea down. After realizing that A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, could put him on the map as a director, he said yes. The intro scene with Jesse's Nightmare Freddy driving the bus was carried over from the previous film. 
Craven was against Freddy appearing in person as the driver of the car in the epilogue scene as he felt the storyline for Nancy, Tina, Rod, and Glenn should be self-contained in the first film. The compromise between him and Shay was therefore to use the idea of Freddy driving the vehicle for the sequel, but not for any characters from Craven's film. The character of Lisa Weber was named Lisa Paletti in the script. On Wes Craven's suggestions, Chaykin put more emphasis on Lisa in the film than he originally attended. He explains that Craven suggested that we shift the focus from Jesse, the male lead, in the script. The focus was on Jesse for 90% of the film, but suddenly it shifted to Lisa, his girlfriend, pretty much making it 50-50. Wow. So Craven even influenced the script. Mm-hmm. Do well, like, at that time, he probably still had a say in things. Oh, I'm sure know? he did. Yeah. New Line Cinnamon originally thought to save money by using an unnamed extra in a rubber mask to play Freddy. As had been the case for mass mute and personal killers like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, but reconsidered when they realized that the man had that gait and posture of a monster or a frankenstein's monster as opposed to robert england's classically trained physical acting so in other words they wanted to go the spirit halloween halloween route yeah they wanted to do remake freddy yeah (laughs) the extra as freddy still remained in one scene left in the film during coach snyder's death scene in the shower though obscured by excess water steam Realizing their mistake, the producers quickly brought back England for the rest of the film and series. Mm. Robert Shea, head of New Line Cinema, wanted to play the role of Ron Grady's father, but was denied by director Jack Shoulder, who gave him the non-speaking role of the bartender at the S&M bar that Jesse visits. Shea would later recall in Never Sleep Again that the leather outfit was purchased from an L.A. store, The Pleasure Chest. I wonder if he still has it. <laughs> um, I think he does. I, I actually think he went and bought it. Yeah. That's so funny. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. You are the head of New Line Cinema, and you're regulated to a... But but what is New Line Cinema yet? I mean... True, but... You got one in. You're the boss. Give him at least... Give him, like, what'll it be, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is money funding the thing, so, I mean... Yeah, serious, I am. Filming... Principal photography commenced in June in 1985. Director Jack Shoulder said in an interview he had very little time to prepare, and that the movie contained a lot of special effects, none of which I knew how to do. The film's special effects were headed by Kevin Yeager, who handled Freddy's design, and Mark Showstrom, who was responsible for the transformation effects wherein Freddy comes out of Jesse's body. David B. Miller, who created the makeup for the original film, was busy working on Cocoon and My Science Project. In a later interview, Jaeger expressed disappointment and confusion regarding the end of the film. Everybody did, bro. Don't worry about it. The film opened on 522 screens in the New York, Washington, D.C., Detroit, and Texas areas. Varying figure has been reported for its opening weekend. Daily Variety reported an opening at $3.8 million, placing it second for the weekend behind Death Wish 3. Oh, and I think Death Wish 3 was the shittiest one of them all, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, critical response. We don't really get into that. All right, so... Homoerotic subtext. Film commentators have often remarked on the film's perceived homoerotic theme, 
claiming its subtext suggests Jesse as a repressed homosexual. They note in particular the scenes where he encounters his gym teacher at a fetish club and his fight to flight to a male friend's house after he attempts to make out with his girlfriend at a pool party. Furthermore, actor Mark Patton, who plays Jesse, played a role so often written as a female in the subgenre that it has become known as the final girl. <laughs> so let's stop right there. Okay, so you're making out with your girlfriend. You know something's going on as far as feeling you're possessed. Freddie starts to come out. Well, not come out, but take over. That is the worst words you could have used right now. <laughs> so he's scared. So rather than tell his girlfriend, if I had a, be- a male best friend, I'd probably run to him too. Yeah. You know? So well, you protect the woman too because you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Yeah. At the time of its release, one publication referred to it as the gayest horror film ever. And the 21st Now that's Rocky Picture Horror Show. <laughs> yeah. In the okay. 21st century, it has become a cult film for gay audiences. On Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street Legacy, David Chaikin refers to a 2009 list on crack.com which lists the five most unintentionally gay horror movies with Freddy's Revenge as number 1. Hmm. And states that there is nothing logical that can explain the level of homoeroticism in this movie. Yeah, we know I'm gonna I have to go revisit that documentary because I only watched it one time, and I would be interested to see the top five quote unquote gayest horror movies of all time. Yeah, you know? it's on crack.com apparently. Okay. Yeah, the Never Sleep Again is like five hours long. Yeah. yeah. I've watched it three times. Have you? Okay. I, I would put it on in the background because it was streaming. Okay. It was on uh, Amazon for a while or one of okay. the free ones. And I would just, if I was working on shit, I'd just play it. The book, Welcome to Our Nightmares, Behind the Scenes with Today's Horror Actors, elaborates on the film's homoerotic subtext, stating that the film suggests an undertone of homosexuality, starting with the protagonist's gender-neutral name, Jesse, ra- rarely fully clothed. That's interesting. I mean, Jesse's a gender neutral name. Yeah. There's girls named Jesse. There's boys named Jesse. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Huh. But the only thing is, like, it's spelled differently for a guy and a girl, I think. Well, so. the way people spell shit now. Yeah, but that. you know what? But here's the thing, though. In 1984, did you really. You didn't think gender neutral, you know? No, but that was one of the few names that would work. Yeah, true, true. I, you know, I just hate that we live in a society where, like, we have to really deeply analyze everything, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. He okay. and the Tormentor have a sweaty wrestling match. His coach, clad in leather, basically hits on him in a gay bar, then gets killed by Freddy, including a bare-ass spanking. It's true. <laughs> Freddy emerges from Jesse's stomach in the same forced birth technique that made the Aliens films legendary. Yeah, you know what, though, but if they really wanted to say, yeah, if this is a gay movie, it'd come out the other end. It's true. <laughs> Mark Patton has claimed that the film's gay subtext was increases, increasingly emphasized through script rewrites as production progressed. It just became undeniable, he told BuzzFeed in 2016. I'm lying in bed, and I'm a... I don't know what the hell that word is. Pieta? 
pieta and the candles are dripping i don't know and the candles are dripping and they're bending like phalluses and white wax is dripping all over it's like i'm the center of a bakaki video (laughs) he has felt betrayed since he knew the filmmakers were aware he was gay but closeted they all they had considerable leverage over him in having him perform a role that combined with his performance as a gay teen and come back to the five and dime jimmy dean jimmy dean the year before Oh, that was the name of that show. I wonder how they knew he was gay. I wonder if, like, he did something on a slip. Maybe. And someone caught it. Or maybe know? just someone told him that from another show or something. Yeah. Because you're going to believe everything you're fucking told. Yeah. Led to him being typecast as gay. The role called attention to what he was trying to avoid discussing would have forestalled him getting any significant roles in the 1980s Hollywood. And it just makes you wonder, but where if he wasn't outed during that film, what he could have went on to? Because you know how Hollywood was back then. Like, yeah, there was a lot of them, but they never got outed. Yeah, yeah. In particular, Patton blames Chaikin, who he says claimed the subtext arose above how Patton played the part. I love when he uses the word subtext. He complained. Did you actually go to a freshman English course in high school? This is not subtext. In 2016, he said, Chaikin sabotaged him. Nobody ever affected my confidence. The boys that threw rocks at me, nobody. But this man did. Chaikin denied for years that there was a gay subtext in the screenplay. Instead, at one point, he told a reporter that Patton had simply played the part too gay. The emotional stress of the film led Patton to leave acting shortly afterwards for a career in interior decorating. And Chaskin, you know, I just want to pummel him. He's an asshole. He's an asshole, and he just looks like that greasy, I don't know, just like he, and he never amounted to anything. I don't think he did anything really big after part two, but the dude totally did Mark Patton wrong. Yeah. And and to deny it for 30-some years. It's ridiculous. Yeah. While Chaikin has tried to reach out and apologize to Patton over the years with limited success, he maintains that Patton's interpretations of Jesse were choices that he made. I have to believe that he got it, and that was how he decided to play it. In 2010, Chaikin finally admitted it was a deliberate choice on the part. Homophobia was skyrocketing, and I began to think about our core audience adolescent boys and how all of this stuff might be trickling down into their psyches he explained my thought was just tapping into the angst would give it an extra edge to the horror how, how... yeah so you know you do what your director tells you to do yep so mark Patton was acting the way director told him to act you know so it was self it was a sabotage on oh, without a doubt like, yeah one scene that would have made the gay subtext more apparent was toned down. England was actually prepared to insert one of his hand knife blades into Jesse's mouth instead of merely caressing his lips with it, as he does in the finished film. But Patton did not feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I don't want a knife in my mouth either. Yeah. <laughs> the, the film's makeup artist suggested to Patton that he did not do the scene that way to protect his image. In a February 2010 interview with Attitude Magazine, Robert England said, The second Nightmare on Elm Street is obviously intended as a bisexual-themed film. It was the early 80s, pre-AIDS paranoia. 
Jesse's wrestling with whether to come out or not, and it's his own sexual desires was manifest by Freddy. His friend is the object of his affection. That's all there in the film. We did it subtly, but the casting of Mark Patton was intentional too, because Mark was out and had done come back to the five and dime Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. So apparently, so Freddie's saying he was out. He, Jesse's saying he wasn't out. Mm-hmm. In an article written by Brent Hardinger of AfterElm.com, he notes that a frequent debate in gay pop culture circles is just how gay was 1985's and Light Round Elm Street 2. The imagery in the movie makes it seem unmistakably gay, but the filmmakers have all denied that that was their intention. During his interview segment of the 2010 documentary, Never Sleep Again, David Chaykin admitted that the gay themes were intentional because I don't think he admitted it till that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's why I love the documentary Scream Queen. And they finally have their talk. And he's such a douchebag. Yeah. And yeah. a 2020 interview director, Jack Shoulder, said he'd never had any discussion with Chaykin or anybody at New Line about a gay subtext and script during productions. He did add that, in his view, the movie was about repossessed sexual angst that every teenager experiences, and that the angst could express itself in the question, am I gay? He also pointed out that Mark Patton did not pick up on any gay subtext when he was reading the script, but that it was pointed out to him by one of the crew members. Shoulder concluded by saying, looking back on it, there were a whole bunch of decisions, starting with casting Mark that really, if you look at some of the Things as to why it's the gayest horror movie of all time. Some of it is people reading into things. Some of it was intentional. And some of it was stuff that people added that fed into the idea. You're going to tell me an already gay man's reading that script and not seeing the text. He's fucking mm-hmm. lying again. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I was fucking like seven. I'm like, oh, that's a little weird. But yet he's not going to read up on that. Mm hmm. <clears throat> Others in the cast and crew have said that they were unaware of any themes at the time they made the film, but that a series of creative decisions on the part of director Jack Shoulder unintentionally brought Chaykin's theme to the forefront. In an interview, Shoulder said, I simply did not have the self-awareness to realize that any of this might be interpreted as gay. Now Now out, Mark Patton said, I don't think that Jesse was originally written as a gay character. I think it's something that happened along the line of ser- by serendipity. Patton had also wrote Jesse's lost journal about Jesse's life after the film and dealing with homosexuality. Hmm. That's an actual book? Uh, apparently. Oh, wow. I have to check that funny. out. It's called really Jesse's Lost Journal. That sounds interesting. To check that out. Yeah. In 2019, Patton produced and starred in the documentary film Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street which focuses on the legacy of Freddy's revenge and how it affected him. Very good documentary, and it's still on Shudder, I believe. Yes. It might be on Tubi, too. Oh, okay. I saw it recently. Oh, man. A quick little fun facts. Let's see if we anything we didn't cover. The only nightmare film in which the lead character is male. Hmm, interesting. Kim Myers was allegedly cast in the film due to a resemblance to Meryl Streep. And she did. Yeah. Yep. Robert England has come out and said Freddy's Revenge is his least favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Michael J. Fox was considered for the role of Jesse Walsh, but was what? unable due, due to his con- 
commitments to Back to the Future and Teen Wolf. Um, yeah, I mean, he's making that Back to the Future money. There's no way he's in Freddy Part Two. <laughs> that's that's new. I did not know that. I I couldn't see Michael J. Fox ever like. I could movie. see him in that movie. Could you? Him in the convertible with the girl, yeah, with the friend. Yeah. He's got the stupid vest on from Back to the Future. I mean, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be driving a convertible. He'd be driving that. Well, that, that was a convertible. Sweet ass black Toyota, though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No. Uh, the original glove from A Nightmare on Elm Street was used in this movie. It was also seen hanging on the wall of the workshed in Evil Dead Two. This was in response to the use of the Evil Dead on a television screen in A Nightmare on Elm Street and part of a continued banter between directors Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. However, when Wes Craven loaned the glove to A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 of the Dream Warriors set, it was lost, but eventually found by a Freddy fan, Mike Becker, at an auction in 2009. It wasn't lost, it was stolen. Oh, yeah, they took that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we know. But here's a good one okay. I'm reading. Um, had this fit this film failed, New Line Cinema may have not survived. Um, it, it made them enough money that they uh what had another hit series on their uh plate, Critters. <laughs> I love Critters, man. Not this not the sequels, just nah, the first Critters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's it probably wouldn't have. Then that's probably why it was yeah. such in a hurry to get this going. Rather than continue the story of the first film, Soul Survivor Nancy, this movie focuses on the new residents of Nancy's Elm Street house, joining a grand tradition of horror sequels which ignore the survivors of previous installments for which would appear to be cost control reasons. Langenkamp told the Never Sleep Again documentary that she was never actually offered a chance to do this movie and the film line's producer couldn't recall if there had actually been any internal discussions at New Line about bringing Nancy back. It had been hypotheses that David Chaikin and Jack Shoulder's new concept of Freddy, possessing someone in the real world versus killing them in the dreams, seemed so different to the first film that bringing back Nancy would not make sense. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. A lot of this is just pouring out the gay kind of tunes that we already mentioned. Yeah, the one I'm reading right here is, and I caught this because one one thing that I do look at is like layouts and stuff. And the room which used to be Nancy's old bedroom has a different layout. It does. And I'm yeah, and I'm on Elm Street. The door was attached to the same wall as the window, whereas in this film, the door seems to be in the middle of the room. So I did I did catch that, you know. Uh, at a younger age. Because I'm like, that's not how it looked in the first one. <laughs> Robert Russell auditioned for the role of Ron Grady on the last day of shooting Weird Science. Robert Downey Jr., also known as Iron nice. Man, drove him to the audition. Yeah, that's, that's funny. The last film in the original Nightmare on Elm Street series in which Nancy's house is the focal point of Freddy's terror. The rest of the series focuses more on the town of Springwood, with the house making an occasional appearance. In the hybrid film Freddy vs. Jason, it was referenced that Lori lived in Freddy's house, but the scene was cut from the theatrical release. No, was it? Because the cops walking up to him and going, 1428, this is the same house. Yeah, yeah. So they're wrong. All right, yep, yep. It was the film. Uh, uh, that- oh, 
Here we, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go for it. I knew I wasn't going crazy. Unlike the first film here, Freddy's sweater has stripes on his sleeves. Yes. So I did find when I was editing the video for last week, the original one, he has just red sleeves. Yes. I knew. I knew there was. Now it started. Yep. Yeah. So I I forgot to bring that up. Yeah. That I caught it when I was editing the video. Good, nice. I was like, son of a bitch. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> when Lisa finds Nancy's diary while helping Jesse unpack, she reads the address is 1428 Elm Street. The address of the house used for all the exterior shots is at 1428 North Genesee Avenue in West Hollywood. Uh, I like this one. Brad Pitt, John Stamos, and Christian Slater were all auditioned for the role of Jesse. That's funny. I thought Christian Christian Slater would be too young, though. Yeah, you know? yeah, but he would have that Jack Nicholson standard uh, to him. I can see like Brad Pitt. Yeah, at that age, definitely. Yeah. Jesse's yeah. car is the same car used in the television series Freddy's Nightmares. It is used by Lar Park Lincoln in Freddy's Nightmare. It's a Miserable Life, nineteen eighty-eight. That was a good episode of. Nightmare. Was it a was it a Christmas episode or no, something? No, that was like the uh, second one. Like oh, okay. he ends up getting killed by like drive bys or something. It was okay. it was it was a decent episode. A okay. lot better than some of the crazy shit on there. <laughs> In the breakfast scene near the beginning, the family is eating Fu Man Chew's cereal. Look, my fingers. My fingers. <laughs> oh my god. Jesse has a hat and a separate green and red sweater in his closet, a reference to the fact that Freddy Krueger is possessing his body while he's sleeping. Interesting. Wes Craven didn't like this film. Craven stated that the film script was substandard and took too many liberties with the character of Freddy Krueger and broke many of the rules set up in the original. He hated the pool scene, feeling he couldn't take Freddy killing teens taller than him seriously. I'm reading this one. So uh, at the time of this writing, Clue Gallagher was 93 and he was the third longest lived Nightmare on Elm Street cast member. Uh, he died in 2022, which, man, I mean, like I said, he was old enough in, in 84. I mean, he's not too old to be a dad. But then we had Priscilla Pointer, who appeared in Dream Warriors. I think that she must have been the... Um, the uh the mean old bat well maybe like the doctor yes that was against yes. the, the therapy and then jaja gabor was 99 oh i love i love that scene when uh she's on the dick and that show. was so funny because he's like i want you to get the stupidest person you know he's like zaza gabor oh <laughs> 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 uh. Wow, man! So that we covered a lot of Nightmare too. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah I it's... mean, it's got staying power. People love this movie. I, I'll I'll watch it if it's on. I'll never skip mm-hmm. it in the uh, when yeah. I go through the watch. Uh, Freddy's definitely scarier. It's definitely a scarier movie, especially the gym scene. The gym scene always freaked me out because I mean it was so loud. And like the cracks and everything were so loud, you didn't know what the fuck was and you're, going on. You're getting attacked by balls. Yeah, you're getting balls thrown <laughs> at your face. You're getting your ass towel whipped. I mean, it was it was a crazy scene. 
I mean, they could have went one step further and like had the towel like like it was sand in it, you know. Oh <laughs> my god, yeah. That would have hurt even worse. But uh yeah, I like I said, I um the first three nightmares are my favorite, really. You know, I mean, I have to like really. I gave you my ranking, but I forget yeah. what it was. But um, after, I mean, you know, part two was definitely one step up scarier than the original. Yes. Part three kind of went down just a little bit, and then part for four the fear just, factor, yeah, yeah, and then just part four on just camp. Yeah, but, uh, four, five, and six were campy. Yeah. But I mean, like, two was well acted, too. You can't you yeah. can't go wrong with that. I mean, mm-hmm. three was well acted. Mm-hmm. Four was half acted. I mean, I really. I just needed a little nudity in it, you know? It was lacking a, a nipple. Yeah, you know? I mean, you don't really <laughs> get that till. Part three. With a nurse. Yeah, part three, part four of the shower scene. What's the marriage, Joey? Like, Tongue tied. Tongue tied. <laughs> oh, God. It was funny because they were like, This is Joey. He's a Vader. The fuck is a Vader? That bothered that me. Said? Yeah. Oh, wow. I never. Uh, I don't know what the fuck a Vader is. I still don't. Maybe he evades conversations. Maybe. Uh, maybe he was higher or something. I, I still don't understand. Well, when, when we get to part three, I'll, I'll Google what that term might have meant in the 80s. Yeah, I'll, I'll get the yeah. official line off the internet because I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what she says. And I still am just like, the only person I didn't like in that fucking movie was the doctor. The dude doctor. Uh, okay. Yeah. He's like too really? like caring, like way too caring. Like, oh, come but on. That's what a, a doctor's supposed Not to, to that point, though. Like, he was just like, he was overacting. I, mean, I didn't hate I, his character. I just hate the way he played him. Okay. It felt fake. It felt like Leslie Nielsen in the fucking The Mask. Or what was that invisible? What was what? that? What was the Leslie Nielsen movie? Uh, where he's fighting the bad dude? Dark Man. Leslie Nielsen? You mean Liam Neeson? Whatever, dude. <laughs> It's late. <laughs> Liam Nielsen. Sorry, I fell asleep. That's all right. So. <laughs> yeah, that guy. You know what, though? When Darkman, when I first watched Darkman, like, this movie is cool as shit. Yeah, I liked the movie, but Darkman's way overacted. Yeah, and very camp. Yeah. Now, I hope they remake that. I know it's like on a list of remakes, but make it dark without the camp, you yes. know? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a good cool. movie, because I yeah. liked it when I was little, but like I just think of that overacting that he did, that whole friggin' movie. just reminds me of that doctor. Because, like, all the kids killed it in three. Mm-hmm. Nancy killed it in three. Lawrence Fishburne killed it in three. And then the doctor is just like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This is always my biggest pet peeve. Freddy Krueger killed it in three. Oh, does it all of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. All right, well, this was a good review. We talked a little bit about some other things. Um, Next time we talk, hopefully both of us would have seen the first episode of The Last of Us so we can give our first impression on yep. it. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on watching it. Okay. Yeah, me too. Um, Sunday. and It comes out I, Sunday? comes out Sunday, yeah. All right, Sunday. I'm away, so I should be able to watch it Monday. And you're not like in a different country that won't have any streaming problems. Yeah, I'm just in, <laughs> I'm in Myrtle Beach. There you go. <laughs> I've been worse places. Yeah, yeah. Crab Lake, hi right. baby. Not with these prices. Nah, dude, they got the all you can eat buffets year round down there. Ah, shit. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Because um, yeah, when Irene and I went to uh, 
I'm sorry, where were we going? South Carolina? Yep. Okay, we were in Maryland, but it was during... It was 2020, but like in the fall, I believe, or Mm -hmm. maybe summer. So the buffets and stuff had just reopened. So they still had a little bit of restrictions, but man, was it good to get some crab legs. And they closed all the ones in AC for the crab legs. So, hey, you know what? My boss was even like, get some crab legs while you're down there. I'm like, you approved it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, man. But uh, right. let's wrap this up. This has been the mm-hmm. Horror Shed Podcast, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We will see you guys next week. Goodbye. Halloween, Halloween.